from Marked for Life Ministries and Logan Legrand. Welcome to the Purpose Podcast. You are about to step into your destiny. You are about to step into the purpose that he has called you for in your life. The Purpose Podcast. The podcast that helps you find and fulfill your purpose in the kingdom. You have greatness and potential on the inside of you. All you have to do is live it out. Now, here is your host, Logan Legrand. Hello and welcome into the Purpose Podcast. We're so glad that you are joining us here today. And hey, I am really excited to introduce our guest today. If you've been listening to the Purpose Podcast for a couple of years, because we're actually coming on like our two, three year anniversary here soon, then you know that for a while I went through this season of walking through this wilderness. Um, and it was one of the most probably irritating seasons that I've ever been through in my life. And there were some major people that really helped me get through that. A lot of them were my pastors and leaders, but I also found some people online that helped me do that. And today is actually one of those people. It's our guest, Eric Gilmore, and he has some amazing material, some books. His YouTube channel has just been an amazing inspiration to me. And I'm just thankful that God has given us the opportunity to connect and have him here on the podcast today. So, Eric, thank you so much for taking time to to come and hang out with us. This is going to be a great conversation. I'm super excited and I am so honored to be on. So, yeah, I know that you have impacted so many people. I, I told a couple of my friends that you were going to be on today, and I think everybody pretty much said the same thing. We all talked about how unique you are. You know, I can't think of anybody else that's like you. You truly walk in what you are created to do. And that's such a powerful thing. Everybody tries to be a carbon copy of other people a lot. Um, but you're definitely unique. Uh, I'd like to start with telling everyone about your book that's coming out, To His Bride. I'd like to kind of touch on that. And that's really a lot of what you talk about is being his bride. And I just love that so much. Yeah, so the book was written specifically to answer a question that I get all the time, you probably get the same question. People have a hard time understanding us as a, a female bride marrying a male groom. It's just difficult, especially for men to, to think about God as one who loves and pursues and desires in such an intense way that is, um, you know, likened to a man longing for a woman. And so uh, this bothers some people. So we wrote the book to show from the scriptures what it actually means to be the bride of Christ, what it um, means for God to be a husband, and what it means for the church to be a wife. I know when I first started hearing you talk about this, I was very thrown off, <laughs> as most people probably will be, because you really bring, you're like a thought leader. You know, you bring thoughts that no one else has really thought of, I feel like. I mean, it's scripture, but it's stuff that's not taught um, within the church, unfortunately. And I really feel like your relationship with God is so deep because you spend so much time with him. You want to be his bride. You want to be in common union with him. And my favorite thing is what when you talk about sonship, because I lost my father at a really young age. Wow. And so I went through this season of, you know, really struggling with like the orphan spirit and things like that and just being alone. Um, and when I understood what it looked like to be a son, that changed everything. Um, yes. It's so, so much of a shift. Please talk about that. I want to hear about your journey too. How did you get to that point to where all this shifted? Sure. Well, I guess what I, where I would want to jump off from, if I'm going to talk about sonship 
would be first uh, John three, one. I know, you know, the scripture, mm-hmm. but uh, it says, see how great a love the father has bestowed on us that we would be called sons of God and such we are. For this reason, the world does not know us because it did not know him. So for me, there's a connection in that verse of love and sons. So in essence, all sons are, are those that realize they are loved by their father. Uh, And it is not based upon their works, nor is it based upon how uh, good they're able to to be or how well they're able to follow or it's based upon the perfect son of God, the firstborn among many brethren, the one who brings many sons to glory. So the essence of sonship sets men free from slavery and servitude in the sense of like, I start at one time and I finish at a time or I'm, uh, I have to do this. Otherwise, you know, these kinds of things are destroyed when we realize that God loves us so much and it's not even based on us it's based upon the perfect son of god and so for me it really sets me free growing up in the church man i had all kinds of thoughts in my mind about uh like ladders of ascent you know i've got to do this and then i can get to here and then i can get to here but the reality is is that god's love equalizes everyone and he has a a a bursting desire to swallow all mankind into himself. And so with that mentality, I find I'm free from trying to perform and I'm trying to uh, just rest in his love and enjoy him as one who loves me. I'm a father. Uh, Are you a father? I'm not, not yet. One day. Well, (laughs) (laughs) well, I'm a father and I I realize uh, sometimes with my children that there's a deep love for them, even in the midst of their imperfections, that they may fall or they may fail. But there's this like, I'm here and I, I, I'm not going anywhere. I, I'm in this for the long haul. I'm going to be right here by your side. We'll get through these things together. I know you're not understanding it right now, but I will stay here and continue to explain it to you. I will be right here holding your hand. I'm not going to abandon you. Uh, You know, even if they've done the same thing before that's wrong and they do it again, I come back to them and remind them, show them, teach them, instruct them, and with love, discipline them. And I find that the father is the same way uh, in my life, that he just constantly is there always to love me. And this, in essence, is what sonship actually is, that he would (laughs) feel for us as we even greater than what we feel for our children. Even Jesus says, if an earthly father knows how to good gives good gifts, how much more your, your heavenly father. I remember one time my daughter, I called home when I was on a trip and my daughter was, she's 14 now, but she was maybe three at this time. And she picked up the phone and she goes, hello. <laughs> and her little voice made my whole heart just melt. And just the sound of her voice. And when I hung up the phone, I was thinking about what happened to my heart when I heard her voice. And I said to the Lord, I said, Lord, I wonder if the sound of my voice to you, when I say, oh, Father, who art in heaven, I wonder if it melts your heart like her uh, voice melts my heart. And the Father spoke back to me in a very clear way with that scripture. Jesus said, how much more 
shall your heavenly father give good gifts to those who ask. <laughs> and wow. so does his heart melt when he hears our voices? Oh, so much more than ours do with our children. So all this to say, sonship is freedom. I know for me, um, kind of having a, a similar story growing up in the church, um, you know, so used to this, I call it a pyramid scheme. Um, <laughs> because that's kind of how some churches are, you know, yeah. um, but you always feel like you have to climb the ladder. Yes. Um, and you, I had to break that mindset off of, I don't have to strive. Yeah. I don't have to strive for perfection or anything. I just have to, to love him and let him love me. Um, and yeah, <laughs> it's beautiful, man. It's so good. So I, I want to hear when you went through that, I don't know what kind of background you grew up in, but was it difficult to transition into sonship? Did you have any setbacks when you were trying to walk in that? Yeah. As a matter of fact, I got saved in the Brownsville revival in 1996. Okay. And though there was real manifest presence, man, there was tangible glory that was in that place. And people were getting saved driving by getting saved in the parking lot. People were lining up at 6 a.m. to get into the 7 p.m. services. There was miracles, signs and wonders, mighty baptisms of the Spirit. It was an amazing outpouring. I haven't seen anything like it before or since. But there was a strong holiness emphasis. Mm -hmm. And holiness tended, it tended to be more outward than inward. Though there was a wonderful presence of the Lord that transformed us internally, our infant mentality of the holiness preaching was that all the outwards got to be right. It didn't even matter if the inwards were right. You know what I mean? And it may have just been me, but I really felt a pressure to make my, my life look and, and appear a certain way in order to be associated with the revival culture and know that I'm, you know, living clean and all this kind of stuff. And so, because of that, there was a neglect of inwards at different times and a, a, an exaltation of outwards, if you will. And I remember yeah. Madame Guyon once wrote, and the outward religion with its forms has usurped the inward religion of the heart. And that's what began to happen to me, especially after I left Brownsville. I began to focus more on the outwards than the inwards. And the inward we know is cultivated by being alone with God, being in his word, worshiping him, lingering in his presence, fellowship face to face. That's the, the, the stewardship of the inward and the enjoyment and produce of the inward. It's literally the fruitfulness of the inward. But the outward would be, you know, things that I'm doing, make sure that I don't do this or make sure that I do do this, you know, make sure that I'm, I'll give you some examples, make sure that I'm evangelizing at least, you know, five, 10 times a day, find five or 10 people a day to tell them about Jesus. I would do that, you know, or just make sure you don't watch pornography or make sure you don't say anything bad. Make sure you don't watch any bad movies, you know, these kinds of things. So the inward began to be neglected when I left Brownsville and the outward began to be exalted. And this is bondage and yeah. performance began to really set in. And uh, my prayer time began to, uh, switch from being a wonderful, blissful exchange and experience of God's love to a list and a performance. I was going in to do the things that I 
knew I needed to do, say the things I needed to say. All this to say, that dries out really quick, and that makes a man very weak and, and, and not satisfied whatsoever, and sin is easy in an unsatisfied soul. And so uh, I began to find that when I would spend time with the Lord and I would have an actual breakthrough where I could sense his presence, it was so much easier to live holy. I began to do more on accident than I ever did on purpose. And so I began to spend quality time with the Lord, shutting the door and locking away because I knew I needed him. And Mm -hmm. as I encountered the spirit over and over again, I began to have the inward increase and the outward decrease. Not saying that, you know, I, I did the outward things, but that they were no longer in focus. What was in uh, focus was Jesus. And I found that holiness is, was effortless. When Jesus is in focus, holiness is effortless. But mm-hmm. if Jesus is out of focus, holiness is striving, you know, and straining. Uh, so, yeah, there was times where I would go through these little things. But I began to find that worship is the key. As a matter of fact, I'll tell this last story, and, and, and I'll stop on this point. No, keep but on one going. time <laughs> when I first got saved, uh, you know, I was just struggling, you know, struggling with doing what I knew was right and wanting to do what was right, but not having the ability to do it. And this older man of God picked me up for a road trip, and I got in the car in the passenger seat, and we're driving, and he says to me, let's pray. And I did what I knew. I just began to pray in tongues really loud or I began to just pray, you know, God, throw me a bone, you know, just give all my energy and effort to begging God to do something. And he waited for me literally quiet as a mouse and he's driving. And as he's driving, I'm praying. And when I'm tired and I get done, he, he simply does this. He has the steering wheel in one hand and a coffee in the other. And he just does this. He goes, Jesus, I worship you. And he got quiet. Then he says, I give you honor, Lord, and there is no one like you. I worship you. Just like this. (laughs) Bro, (laughs) the presence of the Lord just so sweetly overwhelmed the whole vehicle. And I started to weep, but I I was weeping for two reasons, really. Number one, because I could feel the presence of the Lord. And number two, because I was really frustrated with how easily he touched the Lord. Yeah. And I learned a very, very valuable lesson that day that shaped my life from then on and really helped with sonship, really helped with walking in the spirit. And it's this, that one ounce of adoration is worth tons and tons of efforts and strivings. Wow. And so now when I go in, even this morning, I, this is where I pray back here. That's my little prayer chair. That's that mm-hmm. lamp that you see behind me. That's what lights my Bible when I read it. Okay. (laughs) I just sat there and this morning and I just started to worship the Lord from my heart, just like that man did. Jesus, I worship you, lifting him above me, lifting him above the things that I need, lifting him above the things that are going on right now in my life, lifting him above even the practice of prayer, just lifting him high. I worship you. I give you glory. Nobody like you, my love, nobody like you. And then, just like in that car, the sweetness of the Lord began to flood my heart. And it's right here that the spirit of sonship is realized. Because a man can know theologically that he's a son, but it isn't until he senses the spirit that he believes he's a son. Yeah. 
as you were sharing that, I was thinking I wanted to hear about how you really found that. And you shared all of that through the yeah. the story in the truck. But that's just so awesome. Like, you know, it's those moments. I, I can think about moments like that, too, where I just I thought it had to be this huge thing. I thought oh, it had yeah. to be this huge production. You know, I had to have all these steps in there, A, B and C, uh, when he really just just wanted you to just talk um, yeah. and just adore him. That's so powerful. And I, I think that. Honestly, if the if the whole church as a whole could get that, you know, we would see such an amazing revival um, because we would understand it's not about the performance; it's just about the purification of our hearts. Yeah, um, and walking with Him. And I know that we have a variety of people who listen to us on the podcast, and they're trying to find their purpose. And we talk about the secret place a lot, but I think the biggest thing that I've been learning. Um, in the secret place is trying to not quit when it gets easy. Um, because anybody that's started to pray in the secret place and really seek, you come to this place to where you just want to, you know, move on. Um, and I know you, you talk about an, an itch to leave yeah, um, yeah. and do and accomplish something. <laughs> that's, that's what your flesh will say. I want you to touch on that. Yeah, I found this in my life that I started to judge my time alone with the Lord based on how much stuff I had written down that mm. I felt he showed me. And one day I had such a wonderful experience with the Lord. And when it came time to, for me to leave, I had nothing written on my piece of paper. And I said to the Lord, I was like, oh, Lord, I have nothing to show for the day. And I heard mm. the Holy Spirit in my heart put a, a, a feeling in my heart. I don't have the exact words, but it was a feeling like he was more pleased that I wrote nothing when he said nothing than if I wrote something when he said nothing. Oh, wow. In other words, I was connected with his person, whether it be two words on a paper or 10 pages, he wants me in sync with him. And so I found right there that the presence of God is the purpose of prayer. That's what it's for, to be aware of his person, to experience his person. So my mindset shifted to, to recognize that when I'm aware of his person, I'm accomplishing the goal of prayer. Now, there may be other things that take place, but they come forth from the springboard of his presence. And I, I say a lot of times in my School of His Presence course that uh, the itch to move on stems from a desire for something other than just him. Sometimes we just want to accomplish, not realizing that he's the accomplishment. Sometimes yeah. we're in the presence of the Lord waiting for something to happen, not realizing he is the happening. That to be aware of him is the, that's all of heaven and all of, of the angels are aware of God and they worship him in awareness of his person. And whether or not he performs a miracle or does anything it's him having his proper place that is everything. And so I find that as I worship him, it opens the receptivity of my soul. I can sense him. I can, I'm there uh, attentive to him, and this is the key. So all that to say, a lot of times I think people sabotage their own praying by creating a whole outline of what they think should happen. And all the while, the method is followed, but the man is never seen. And all the while, the practice is done, but the person is never touched. So I, I tell people a lot of times the key to prayer is to snuggle and not struggle. 
put away all this struggling and just snuggle on him. What does that mean? Just draw near and lay upon him. Let him hold you. Sometimes I find that we want God to say something, but I think sometimes the greatest thing God can say to us is just to hold us. Because in that holding of us, there's a communication that's even greater than intelligible words. I remember one time my daughter was really frustrated about this toy that she couldn't find. She came over and she was all flustered. And I told her just to come here. And I held her on my chest. And she was crying for a minute. But soon as I held her, the longer I held her, my peace passed into her. And all of a sudden... She couldn't even remember that she lost a toy. She went off and did something else. And I find that happens to me with God a lot. I, Lord, I got these thoughts in my mind right now. Lord, I've got so much to do. Lord, we're, we need more money. All these kinds of things are just coming in. And I, I come there and he just says, shh, 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 shh. let me hold you. And yeah. I find that as I let him hold me, all of a sudden his peace passes into me. And I find that 90% of my prayers vanish in his presence. And that as he holds me, I realize he's the only thing I ever really needed. And he's the only thing I ever really wanted. I just didn't know. I got distracted. But when I'm aware of his person, direct loving exchange with him, everything goes to its proper place. And he is high and lifted up. It's, it's about abiding in him. Yeah. yeah. And I think that there was one of your videos, you shared three things, um, when you're praying and this has helped me a lot. Um, I'm trying to remember, I know one was basically awareness. Um, I can't, I cannot remember the other two. Are you familiar with what I'm talking about? Yeah. Awareness, attention, adoration. Yes. Yes. That's it. Uh Um, yeah, that was such a shift because it's, you can get back into that. Like if you began to get the itch to go away, you just come back in the process. Um, and it's not like a, a religious routine. It's it's more of just focusing on him. And it's still about him. Something the Lord asked me yesterday. He says, do you want routine or do you want revival? <laughs> um, because I know that I get in this routine of, okay, well, I, I'm going to pray for 10 minutes. Or, you know, I'm, I'm going to spend one hour with him. Um, and that's just not what it's about. It's not about setting a time. Yeah, It's just about sitting with him. Yes. Um, all throughout your day, not just at the beginning or the end. <laughs> and in the, in the sonship side of things, um, I know that people who struggle with identity too, that's, that's a big thing. Um, and sitting in his presence really shifts all of that. I want you to talk about, uh, you've kind of reflected this a little bit, but when we sit in his presence, how much, um, that does reflect our purpose, um, and finding our purpose to clarify, if you're trying to, let's say we want to find our purpose in Christ, you know, that's I want to know my purpose. I want to know my purpose. How would you recommend someone finding that? I think I know your answer, but I want to hear what you have to say. Yeah. There's a verse that comes up in my mind immediately when, uh, when Hezekiah is restoring the kingdom, Mm -hmm. he grabs all the priests, he brings them together. And he says this, he says, my sons, Do not be negligent now, for the Lord has chosen you to stand before him and to minister unto him. And that fits perfect, I think, right here with what our purpose is, is that God has chosen us for this purpose, to be in his presence, to stand before him. And the actual words used there for stand before has to do with proximity, 
prolonged proximity being mm-hmm. in his presence. So to stand before him and to minister unto him. So herein is our first ministry. It is to yeah. worship the Lord and to be before him. And notice that he says, don't be negligent now. You know, negligence has to do with seeing lack of value. Being uh, negligent would be like, uh, yeah, well, whatever, you know. So he's saying, don't take this lightly, that God has mm-hmm. chosen you. Now, whoever you are listening to this right now, I'm telling you, God has chosen you for this purpose, to stand before him, to spend time in his presence. Well, what do I do in his presence? To minister unto him. I remember a friend of mine uh, wanted to pull a Todd White on a, uh, on a on a job. He wanted to get a job in the place and win the whole place, heal every sick body, save every <laughs> lost soul. So he says, Lord, give me a job. I'll go in there. I'll make it my mission field. He was so excited mm-hmm. to be a missionary in a workplace, go in day in and day out, give his, his whole heart over and just preach Jesus and be a light. And when he gets to this, the only job he could get, they show him what he's going to be doing. And he's sweeping floors all day long, all by himself. Mm-hmm. And he's really frustrated. And he says to the Lord, he says, Lord, there's no one to minister to here. And the Lord speaks back to him and he says, mm-hmm. what about me? <laughs> wow. Yeah, that's, I knew that you were going to go that route <laughs> because that's a, that's a place that I had to be in. I remember a couple of years ago, I was serving as a youth pastor and a music pastor and a media pastor all at the same time, <laughs> like most small churches. Um, so I was just so overwhelmed. Um, but I remember when I look back on that, I was not praying on a regular basis and it was so bad. And that's about the time I started going through this wilderness season. It was me understanding, okay, this is about God. <laughs> as easy of a revelation as that sounds. Um, I think we get wrapped up in so many things that are outside of that, you know, of, of how many, how many people are coming to my church or, or what does this look like? Or do I have good graphics? It's just about ministering to him. It's just about walking with him. And, and that, that shift in the wilderness was so scary for me, but it was so needed and it shaped my whole entire ministry. Have you ever been through a place like that? A wilderness season in your life? I want to hear about that. Times that you thought maybe you wanted to give up, but God just totally changed that. Yeah. So the neglect of the fountain of life always dries a man out. And once a man gets dried out, it's not long before he's dead. That's why it's called the fountain of life. Not only is it satisfaction, but it keeps you vibrant and imparts spiritual vitality to you. So I went through a season uh, right after I got married around 2006 or so, I got really heavy into theology and I was studying the Bible like a maniac. I was meeting with different kingdom Baptist ministers and just trying to learn about the millennial reign. I was studying Greek and I was studying Hebrew. And so I got really heady and it was real quick. It wasn't a long period of time, but as the, as the digression took place, I lost fellowship with the Lord. My prayer time was now based upon the Bible and not Christ. I wasn't fellowshipping with Christ. I was literally uh, interacting with the Bible. You remember in John um, 5, 38 and 39, 
Jesus says, you search the scripture because you think in them is eternal life, but you don't, you're not realizing they testify of me and you don't yeah. have life because you're unwilling to come to me. And so I was going to the Bible and not coming to Christ. Now it's hard to come to Christ without coming to your Bible, but it's easy to go to your Bible without coming to Christ. <laughs> and yeah. so I had eclipsed the God of the word with the word of God. And so this began to dry me out and it looked a certain way. I had a short temper. I, I started to really lose my temper really easy with my wife, just irritated, agitated. There was no sweetness. Um, I, I found that, you know, just the old things that I had conquered just started to rise up again in my life. And I didn't have the power over sin that I, that I had in the midst of fellowship. As a matter of fact, Andrew Murray said, sin is powerless in fellowship with God. So because I had lost fellowship and I went into prayers, prayers will never do what fellowship does. And so um, uh, I began to, to be this way and God sent a friend of mine. His name is David Papavisi. And he, um, he prayed for me and something shifted, man. He laid his hands on me and I got filled with the Holy Spirit fresh again. And everything switched, and I determined in my heart, I will never again eclipse God with practices. I will never again take put the Bible on the throne and neglect the Holy Ghost. Um, so, yeah, it was a short season of time, but it was real, and it was yeah. deathly. Um, like I said, I'll end with the same statement that I started with, that the neglect of the fountain of life always, always dries a man out. It's a challenge for sure. Um, going to the dry place is such a, a difficult thing to overcome. Um, but I, I love that when we're, when we're going through it, we don't realize that we're doing wrong. You know, we don't, we don't realize why we're mad and why we're blowing up. And then it's like those, that major breakthrough comes. God sends that person or he just, you know, shakes us. Um, and then we realize, oh, okay, that's what it is. Uh, when, when it all goes back to one simple thing, and that's just that we need to get in a secret place. You know, I loved like when things are chaotic, um, like you said, you're not sure where the money's going to come from. It's getting kind of scary and you're just like in this panic mode and you're like, God, what is going on? What is going on? And then you remember, I haven't been praying. And it's, it's like such a minor thing, but it's such a major thing. Like that's the answer to everything. Um, it's just getting there. And that's, yeah, it's just always amazing to me that that continues to happen throughout my life and other Christians life when it's just that simple just prayer and just seeking his face. Also, I know we, um, we've touched on a lot of things, but it all comes down to this. And I think that's really falling in love with him. And, you know, your book love sick, um, is really touching on that intensely. I, I want you to give, um, us some nuggets from that book. Yeah. So that book, uh, was a result of these seasons that I found were reoccurring in my life where I would become uh, completely overwhelmed with a desire for God that I felt as if my soul was craving him to such a degree. It would wake me up in the night. I would mm. uh, menial tasks. I would break down just, just, uh, doing the dishes. I just break down at the thought of God. A lot of the early Christian writers would call this an ecstasy where a season of time you're overcome with the awareness of God's love. 
Um, and that's what would happen to me. I would go through these every now and then. I don't think a man can live in it because it's too intense. Um, but I would go through them for short seasons of time. And I wrote the book explaining the sickness of love, literally a love so deep that it's like a man is sick. You know, love sickness is defined as uh, when one is so in love, they're unable to act normally. And so that's how I began to feel. There'd be such a love exchange with God in my heart and, and in my life that I felt as if I was unable to just to act normally. I had a craving that was so deep for him that it would be hard to be involved in conversations. I would steal away every moment I could and just weep. And so these little seasons would happen. And I wrote the book Lovesick to point to something that I think a lot of people have experienced at certain times, these times of craving, deep cravings. I remember John G. Lake said that he became so hungry for God that while he's walking down the street, he would just yell out, Oh God, just longing, you know, for God. I know uh, John praying Hyde longed for God. It's such a deep, burden to have the Lord that he prayed with such intensity. Oh, Lord, I long for you that he moved his heart to the center of his chest cavity. So there's these like seasons in which a man is overcome uh, with God. And so I wrote the book Lovesick because I felt like it was a explanation of what is happening to different people that fall into these wonderful ecstasies, these sweet seasons of blissful exchange. And I grab Song of Solomon to show what, that this is God's word. Lovesick is not made up by Shakespeare. God is the one yeah. who made up this word, lovesick, and had it written down because the scripture tells us that all scripture is God breathed. Men were moved upon by the Holy Ghost to write these things. Even Song of Solomon is the Holy Spirit trying to pen out a word that explains a deep infection of affection. That comes upon a man when he's been gashed by God. Literally, he feels as if he's got an open wound and he's bleeding out love unto the Lord. Uh, I remember St. John of the Cross once wrote, when a man walks lovesick for God, he fulfills the first commandment to perfection, to love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, your, your strength. Um, so that's what lovesick is about. And uh, I find that Love performs a work in a man far greater than all resolve. All the things that a man can decide to do, they pale in comparison to what happens to you in love with uh, the Lord. I think this is why Jesus says this statement. If you love me, you will obey me. In other words, love, obe obedience is only a proof of love because obedience is a fruit of love. There's so much in that. There's so much depth in that. Um, and I really encourage if, if you guys have not seen that book or read that book, you need to go and get it. Um, it has so much depth in it and it really is a, it's a, it's a book of reckoning. Um, and it just shifts your mindset on everything. I, I love for my mindset to be shift because for so long I realized that I'm stuck in this and I don't realize I'm stuck until that revelation comes. And so I love things that just completely wreck me and mess up all of my ideas. <laughs> And that's one of them. Um, so yeah, I think that to be honest with you, Eric, you're probably one of the, one of the guests that has went really, really deep. I can think of one to two other guests who we've went this deep with into things. Um, I know that's barely scratching the surface. And so I, I kind of want to just really help those 
who are just struggling. You know, they're starting out. They're trying to figure out their walk. And I just want you to kind of give some steps and some advice for them. This may sound overwhelming. I want us to kind of bring it down and just give some simple, actionable steps for them. Great. This is a great question. Mm-hmm. Now, I'm probably going to be a little bit different than than most people, but this is just my mm-hmm. small piece of advice for anyone that's just starting out. I would say look at your calendar. Find either a cluster of days or a open day. Hopefully you can find a couple of open days together, but if you can only find one open day, and if you can't find an open day, find something you can move to give yourself an open day. And I would encourage you to grab a jug of water, a Bible, a pad of paper and a pen, and maybe some bread or something, and go into a room and lock yourself in there all day long from morning until late night hours. Even you can sleep in there if you want and get out the next day. But what I would encourage you to do is to lock yourself away with God saying, I'm not going to do anything today, but be face to face with you. I'm going to, I'm going to open up my heart and show you all the areas I'm dealing with. Lord, I'm going to restart everything with the Lord and I'm going to marry you. Lord today. Uh, so I would encourage you to swing f- with swing with all your might towards the Lord in this way. Lock away with God. Some people talk about baby steps and things. I say jump off the cliff. You know, um, I just, I have found people try to take baby steps and they take two steps forward or one step forward, two steps back. But I found those that abandon themselves in love to the Lord, they grow leaps and bounds. Um, and what that means to abandon yourself before the Lord means put everything else away and, and go be with him. Um, now you'll find times in the midst of that day where you're like, man, I got to get out of here. Combat that restlessness with worship. Just turn on a song and just begin to worship the Lord. And you'll find that it just subsides and you're able to just find rest again in him. And throughout that day, you'll find that you're practicing his presence and you're remaining in rest. And you'll find that when you leave there, it'll be so much easier to just uh, remain aware of the Lord. You'll find that your convictions deepen. You'll also find that your tenderness towards his name is so just, you feel so soft. I've had days where I locked away for, you know, three, five, seven days, and there's no sound whatsoever. I, I know most of the time I'll go silent. And when I come out, even harsh sounds, uh, they bother my ears. It's like, cause there's been such a sweet silence that has been enjoyed with the Lord that even the hustle and bustle of life becomes a noise that's repulsive, uh, to me. And I find that it's very much like heaven because each experience I've had of what it's like around the lamb of God, it's so still and so peaceful and so satisfying that the hustle and bustle of normal life is in every way contrary to it. So what you learn is how to bring the sweetness into the chaos. And in the midst of chaos, outwardly, you are inwardly at complete blissful rest. And so anyways, all this to say, here's my advice to somebody just start now, or maybe you feel like you're struggling. Find a day. Hopefully you can get a couple of days, but if you can only get one day, go in in the morning 
and be with him all day long. Worship him. Be aware of his presence. Look into the word. Pray through the scriptures. Go back into worship. Read the word. Pray through the word. Go back into worship all day long. Just bask in his beams. And I'm telling you, you will never be the same again. That's the best answer I've ever gotten for that question. <laughs> Thanks for saying <laughs> And it's, yeah, it's, it's a big sacrifice. Um, but wow, that's, that's so great. And I could see how much, how much that could shift people's ministries, their hearts, their ideas. Yeah. Um, and just put them back into focus. I say all the time, I love Hebrews 12. It says to fo- focus on the author and the finisher of our faith, you know, to put your gaze on him. Um, and that's exactly what that's doing is to just gaze at him. Yes. So, yes. The gaze so, of the soul upon God. Yeah. Amen. Well, I want you to, um, to pray for our listeners, but before we do that, um, I just want to let everybody know we will have all the links to Eric's books and his websites and all of that awesome information in the description box below, um, as well as in the podcast notes with whoever your whatever platform you're listening on, but his website is sunship international.org. So any final words or, or prayer that you'll close us out with Eric? My final words will be this. God gave himself for you so that he could give himself to you. Snuggle. Don't struggle and realize that the essential Christian message is not behave, but behold and live by him through enjoying him. If you miss enjoyment, you missed what he made you for. He made you so that you would enjoy him forever and in the enjoyment of him, receive him as life. And then that principle of life causes an increase of fruit that gives glory unto him. There is no fruit without life. And there is no life without enjoyment. So enjoy the life so that you can bear fruit to give glory unto God. So those are my final words. And let me pray. Father, I thank you that Jesus is the gospel. He is perfect. He is matchless in every way. I thank you. His righteousness is imputed to us. How glorious of a thing that your righteousness is now ours. Oh, I thank you for it. And Father, I also thank you for the sending of the Spirit through Christ and that he is always here as helper, intercessor, guide, advocate, strengthener, standby, helper, oh, teacher, leader. He is everything. And may we, even today, make a fresh abandonment of ourselves to the presence of the Spirit in our lives. May our fellowship with the Spirit be our quickening be the center and source of our whole entire day, every day in your precious name. Lord, take off the weights of religion. Take off the weights of sin and condemnation. And Lord, let us breathe the rare air, the purified air of the man, Christ Jesus, and his perfect work on our behalf. In your precious name, I pray for joy unspeakable and full of glory. I pray for peace that passes all understanding. I thank you for this new covenant that is not about hoops and hurdles, but it is about the perfect cross. We worship you. We give you glory and honor. There is no one even close to you. We bless you, Lord. Baptize us in love. May the love of God be shed abroad, bursting up in our hearts by the Holy Spirit. 
Amen.